Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're going to do our spoiler section uh, for the 702 podcast. Uh, Aaron, I hear you You have crazy theories. Uh, well, I, hear, I hear you're going to indulge in all the speculation this week. Uh, your plan is to make this a nine-hour podcast. This there, Here's the thing. Um, <laughs> uh, fucking leaks, man. Uh, I guess that... There, so I, I I realized after last week's podcast that since I don't know the leaks myself, that I'm very susceptible for people sneaking leaks in that I wouldn't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, occasional contributor to Bald Move and uh, constant wife of mine, Cecily, <laughs> is, constant wife. She is constant. It's never it's relentless, never ends. Um, she has agreed to because she's already had went ahead and spoiled herself. She's agreed to pre-weed out my my uh emails from stuff that's people are trying to pass her speculation off as and then that's the other thing is like it's the other thing that really sucks is there's a lot of gray area where you know i've seen time and time again where people naturally get very close to a solution as part of the speculation process yeah and now you've got these points where like anyone that flies even too close to those particular suns is going to get their wings clipped and some and but uh, it, it's tough. It sucks. I, I mm. really wish the production leaks hadn't happened because it feels like it's constraining the discussion already. Yeah, so what you're saying is in the following weeks, we will only be discussing theories that are obviously wrong. I mean... If you have, spo- if you have leaks. You see, isn't that dumb? Yeah, like, it, re- I, it really it's like is. I, but I don't know other, any other way to do it. Yeah. I mean... No, I feel you. Like that's a tough problem to solve. Right, right. Uh, the other thing it would be to consider them as I mean I, I just don't know I don't know but it's a frustrating theory um, a frustrating week because there's another thing like I got deluged with this frozen sea theory where uh, someone I think you know obviously they had to do this maliciously but they took a screenshot from season one episode one intro of mm-hmm. the wall, the little mock-up, little clockwork model. Okay. And they showed the the comparison to the same scene in Season 6, Episode 1, and, like, look, the sea is not frozen in this one, and the sea is frozen in this one. Mm-hmm. And my first clue that there's some bullshit afoot is that they weren't exactly the same shot. Like, the first shot was a, was obviously a second or two further or out of the zoom mm-hmm. so i took the time to actually go and i wish i actually took the time to screenshot this and just post on reddit to the defeat it once and for all uh, but anyway the the theory is, is like oh look they're showing that you know that the sea's now frozen the white walker is going to be able to just walk around the wall um so first of all i if, if that actually comes out to be true because uh, because because i'm going to disprove this visual evidence but I'm not going to disprove the theory. I don't know if the theory is correct or not. I hope it's not true because if it turns out that the White Walkers can just make it so cold the ocean freezes and they walk around the wall, how mm-hmm. fucking stupid does that make the wall? It, really stupid. It, it also raises questions about why they didn't do that at Hardhome when John was running away right. to the sea. Like maybe they, they need time to, to freeze the sea, sea over. But, maybe. And that's yeah. the other thing. Like, and people, like, I, I saw discussions of like, well, that's the thing. They they put that scene in to make you think it can't happen. I'm like, well. Then that, do, uh, do, I hate that kind of storytelling. Do you, do, yeah, like that's, 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 that's some terrible stuff. But anyway. Yeah. It's very clear that if you sh- show this thing side by side, it's the exact same scene. It's just as the camera peel- 
pulls back, it goes through like a thin cloud layer, mm-hmm. and they're passing off that thin cloud layer as ice. Uh. And you can see that same effect when they go through Dorn. I'm pretty sure the fucking Summer Sea does not have ice in it at this stage <laughs> in the game. Like, I, and I saw this, like, m- big websites were posting it and going crazy with theories and stuff on it, and I'm like, this... Literally would take five seconds to debunk. Yeah, but a bunch of people sent it into me. It was it was is over Reddit in some places. Again, maybe they do freeze to see and walk. I'm not crazy that theory. Mm-hmm. I reserve the right to be impressed with it in retrospect because they have some kind of unique take on it. But it seemed it, it's busted. It's it's busted from the intro angle, um, and right. I don't like it even if it wasn't. Um, also, I felt like that. We muddied the water uh, when we were talking about this year-on shipbuilding stuff and the jetpacking, and I felt like we should make like an official statement on this, that we have long said that we don't really care about the whole jetpacking, and I'm not interested in like figuring out how long it's going to take to go from one location to the other unless they make it super obvious that, like, well, we have to let the Queen know by tomorrow, and Jon Snow is saying that at Winterfell, and then tomorrow comes, and he's standing in front of Cersei, and he's deli- Like, right. there's no fucking way you can get from Winterfell to King's Landing in a day. Mm-hmm. But very rarely do they, like, do they set those time expectations, because you can always think that, like, in between episodes, weeks have passed, or months have passed, or whatever. Yeah. And, and also, I'm inclined to cut them some slack, because... You know, George Martin left his toys scattered all over his bedroom, and the Double Ds are trying to bring them back into the toy box. Right. And jetpacks are involved. Um, but with the Euron thing, I think that's that's the perfect example where they say, "Build me a thousand ships." And even if you even if you want to say that he's including the entire fleet of the Ironborn minus his best ships, whatever those are, mm-hmm. if he's if he's including every canoe and rowboat and man in a life vest. Um, and even if you give him three to four months, and even if you account for there's this historical example of the Venetian arsenal, where I guess they're able to crank out a war galley a day. What? So, so these war galleys are much smaller. You know, they're just essentially rowboats. Like, 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 think of like the oh, like, like, okay. like these long boats with like you know uh, oars and stuff. But they they used a. Um, you can look it up. It's called the Venetian. It's clearly not the ships we saw. It's not the ships we saw, <laughs> but screen. you can look it up. It's, it's called the Venetian Arsenal, and I guess they use their canals as a form of primitive uh, assembly line standards because okay. yeah. all the craftsmen with their tools would stay in one position and they'd float mm-hmm. the boats past and they did their little bit. And so, but yeah. but even then, so like okay, to build a thousand ships, you would need three, a minimum of three years at Venetian, you know, speed. Speed. Yeah. All right. And we're talking about much bigger, more impressive ships. Yeah. So I just felt like that was a bigger... And also, where are they getting the natural resources? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, Venice was extremely wealthy back in the day, and they built a big empire based on trade. had lots of money, lots of natural resources. And, you know, where does the Ironborn get it? They're from these poor islands that are essentially rocks in the sea. Where are they getting the... Sh- I just felt like that was a fundamentally more serious thing. So it's like, I'm not... Yeah. I don't think it, it, it the jetpacking bothers us so much as when they make other kind of like gaping errors. So yeah, because essentially when he says, "Give me a th- build me a thousand ships," he's saying, "Let's take five years and get a thousand ships together." Right. Like let, let's take the amount of time it would take to build a thousand ships mm-hmm. and do this thing. And when there's kind of that you know unspoken uh, amount of time there. Mm-hmm. It's it's essentially like John saying, "I need to meet with Cersei tomorrow." Exactly, and it's just it's just like he could have said a hundred ships, 
and I, I probably wouldn't have said a thing. Uh-huh. But a thousand mm-hmm. ships is just crazy to do in six months, yeah, or even a year. Um, and we know that you know Yara took a good chunk of the ships and because it was able ones. to transport all of the unsullied, all of well. A, at least a good chunk of Dothraki, right? If not a hundred thousand of them, right, right. And 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 you know the fact that they took the best ships, and that now he shows up with these ships that are so much bigger and powerful than the best ships that he had. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that's that's certainly something. For, and it's it's not. And and what I'm saying is, I'm already giving them jetpacking, and I know a lot of fans have already said that's bullshit, and it's it's interfering with my interfering with my ability to enjoy the show. Right. They have to tread carefully because the more you don't sweat those details, the more you get those details wrong, the more people lose their suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. And I've seen time and time again that once your suspension of disbelief snaps, suddenly things that you were ready to look over are glaring flaws that you can't even enjoy anymore. So. Yep. I try not to be that podcast because I feel like that's not fun listening to just harp on and on about, okay, we've acknowledged the jetpacks. Now every single episode that uses jetpacks, we're going to fucking bitch about it for 10, 15 minutes. Right. If you want that, listen to our Walking Dead podcast. <laughs> um, all right. Another one that I saw floating around. Because um, I'm trying to – the other thing is I'm trying to talk about these theories that I've seen on the front page of the Game of Thrones subreddit on Reddit because mm-hmm. I know those mods ride pretty hard against production spoilers. Okay. So that's one of the ways I'm I'm trying to triangulate and say, okay, well, if it was, if it was discussed heavily on this, the, um, this idea that this grayscale could be used as a biological weapon against the White Walkers. Okay. White Walkers are human in origin – Mm-hmm. Presumably, they share some kind of physiology with us, right? Uh, if obsidian is part of the cure, like if you have to grind up in obsidian, and we know that any obsidian just touches the White Walkers and they explode in a crystal, could you infect the White Walkers with grayscale that would be fatal to them? Um, and there's no way for them to cure because the cure is also fatal. What do you like? What do you think about that idea? I think it's making a lot of assumptions. That That's the true. White Walkers are very similar to human beings because okay, so I don't know where to come down on this because the y- thing that created them in the first place is the very thing that kills them now. Like, oh, I'm, you're right. I'm I'm torn. Like, how to feel about that? And so when you start saying, "Oh, they're so much like us," I'm like, "Well, they've been through a process that fundamentally changed them in a lot of ways." Do you know who else is torn? <laughs> what Jorah. And he knows exactly how to feel about it. Yeah, he feels pretty bad. Um, yeah, you're 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 right. And also, like the fact that I'm saying they're human in origin, that's true. But you're talking about a magical transformation process, right? So, and you're talking about a show and a book series that that has shown very little kind of like scientific accuracy when it's talking about genetics and <laughs> heritability of traits and and things like that. So, eh, maybe maybe you're right. I mean, it, it, I don't know. It's. I thought it was a cool theory, but theory, you're, you're, yeah. you're right. As soon as you start talking about it, it's like maybe it falls apart. Um, what do you think about the idea that Littlefinger... Well, we're talking about like how is he going to twist up Sansa. But mm-hmm. what if instead he starts to try and divide the Lords of the North and the Lords of the Vale? Mm, okay. Like he gets them fighting amongst themselves to where he can't detach his army from John's and withdraw his support. But it's almost like, well, you know, it just didn't. I, I tried. I tried Sands. It just didn't work out. Uh huh. And then he takes his va- and he takes the Knights of the Vale, or maybe he uses that as a pretext to take 
take Winterfell to try to get back into Cersei's good favor? Yeah, so I'm really open to a lot of stuff on Littlefinger right now because, like I've been saying, I know he's got another pivot. He's not quite done yet. That could be it. I mean, that seems like a a way to go for him. Right. When, when, you know, he's been roadblocked on Jon and he's been roadblocked on Sansa, right. where else can he turn? Well, the other Lords of the Vale. Or, or the other Lords of the North. Because I did get another a lot of my emails, the theme of you guys are underestimating Littlefinger. You're, you're, you're committing the sin of underestimating Littlefinger, which traditionally doesn't go well for people. Look, this is a guy who's made it this far, right? Uh-huh. He's climbed the ladder of chaos this far. I think he's got one more move left, but I at some point it's got to come crushing down on him. That's just the symmetry exactly. of the story. And, and that's that's where we, I think that's where our rejoinder was. Like, well, we might be underestimating Littlefinger, but unless you think he's going to survive to the end, yeah. he is going to have to, I mean, there's not that many episodes left in the whole series. So, like, you know, whether it's next episode or seven from here, it like, he either makes it to the end of the series, which you got to decide whether you think that's likely or not. Do you think that's in line with what George Martin is, is, is trying to do. Is that the mm-hmm. type of story he's telling? Or he's going to fuck up and get himself into a giant personal downfall. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I lean toward the latter. Right, right. And it's really tough to see, like, you know, well, how's he going to divide John and Sansa? But maybe we're looking at it from you know the, the top down instead of the bottom up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I got a lot of questions about was the idea of communications. Because people are like, why hasn't the wall notified Winterfell uh, the fact that John's brother is here? And there's a couple of lines you could, you know, or how doesn't, or how doesn't, um, you know, Daenerys know that Euron's launching a fleet against her? Or how come, you know, but, but, uh, but also how does, how does John know that, that, or how does Sam know that John's at Winterfell and not back at the wall? And there's a couple of arguments. You could just be like, well, number one, it could just be a plot hole or production error. Uh, two, it could be that, um, you know, the, the the fact that the timelines aren't in sync. Right. Like that yeah. that they showed Bran coming at the wall, but maybe that hasn't happened yet from John's perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I, – I, I was trying to think of like a holistic way to look at the shows. And I started thinking about like who has maesters and who has ravens because at the wall we know they don't have a maester. Right. Um, like Dolores, Dolores Ed is – uh, a commoner, probably not literate. Almost no one that wasn't a lord or lady or their immediate household was was literate back in these days. Yep. So, however, Bran and Mira both would be. They would be, but yeah. do they know how to to do they know how to work ravens? I mean, I guess like Bran could just warg into a raven and, and in real time fly to Winterfell <laughs> with a message. Probably, but yeah. they've said that that's a skill. Like you know, mm-hmm. the, being able to do that is, is 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 kind of a skill. So maybe the wall is like temporarily cut off from communication since they don't have anyone to write the messages or anybody to wrangle the ravens mm-hmm. and that would also apply to danny like anyone that anything that's connected to the citadel is going to be reasonably well informed yeah um because you know that's where everything's kind of travels through there so it doesn't surprise me that the maesters would know that john has taken winterfell right because they have a maester at winterfell who mm-hmm. would report that thing immediately to them yeah um it doesn't surprise me that Danny wouldn't be plugged into that network because she's a foreign agent, and mm-hmm. it's not like the. Ma- I mean, maybe they will eventually be like, "Hey, here you're a power player. Uh, we have this thing where we give maesters to everybody." It's like becoming an iTunes partner. <laughs> they send us an iTunes employee, and we get to right. 
Right. And they just, just keep an eye. Keep, they just advise us. Keep an eye on us. Yep. Um, but but I. So so like so, Danny. She would be limited to whatever spies Varys has, yep. And vice versa with Cersei. Um, people ask like, because Cersei and Kyburn were talking about you know the fact that they heard that Dr- Drogon got wounded in the fighting pits of Marine, and like, well, how could that? How could they know that? And I'm like, well, that's like if something went down in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like how long? When and even without cameras, if you just had like a hundred thousand people watching some spectacle. And, you know, something went down. How long would it take for the telephone effect and for your spies? Like, I feel like that's no problem. Like, that that literally happened two seasons ago. There's more than enough time for Kyburn to have heard from informers and, yeah. and, and rumor mongers and newspapers of the day that the, that the dragons can be wounded that way. I'm with you. So, essentially, you, whenever you're talking about – whenever you're talking about complaining about communication struggles in Westeros, think about – who has ravens? Who doesn't? Who can read? How long does it take for that info to travel? How many people possessed information in the first place? Because that's a, a difficulty modifier. Um, and I, I feel like it, it mostly makes sense when you think about it from that angle. Yeah, I think so. I haven't had a lot of problems with the the timed communication kind of stuff. And to the extent that we're talking about, like, wrap a neat bow about the Euron Greyjoy thing, about the jetpacking thing, about this communication thing... Like, I, I saw this theme on, on Reddit especially, but also in a mailbag. It's like the show has gone to shit because they don't sweat those details anymore. Hmm. And my question is, has the show gone to shit or has the source material gone to shit? Because the source material is not even there anymore. Oh, right. That's fair. You know what I'm saying? Like, like uh-huh. George has all of the heroes flung to the far corners of the earth. There's several cliffhangers. And then that is the situation you get. So, like... Even if you're not happy about it, why are we blaming the double D's necessarily? I mean, certainly they are not perfect, and they do shit that I don't agree with. But mm-hmm. you know, as I've said it once, I've said it a, a million times. They didn't. They didn't sign up to to write George Martin fan fiction. Yeah. So I think they're doing the best they can do under because at some point they've got to just take. I mentioned this on the Instant Podcast. Um, they they have to put their own spin on this. And, and there's lots of times where I'm, I'm looking at the behind-the-scenes um, shows, and they're talking, frankly, about, oh, when, when we were approaching writing this with Arya, we had the thing. And so, like, they're just, they're just making up a lot of this stuff. For sure. And kind of kind of doing the – and it's, that's distressing to me because I've – previous to this, I've, I've, every single time that they've gone away from Martin's work, I've disliked it or mm-hmm. liked it less, misliked it, as George would say. And to the extent that they kind of like faithfully adapt to novels, everything works out fine. But here's a situation where they just ran out of novels. What are they going to do? Yeah, and I guess it, I would say it's probably fair to to say, hey, the show isn't as tightly plotted and as as carefully crafted um, as it used to be. But I think that's out of necessity. Like it can't be because if you think about it, like George Martin has years years to come up with the intricate plots that he comes up with for the books they have at best a year a year and a half like to shoot everything to write it to wrangle to do george's job times three Uh at least so Uh like you I, i agree yes it maybe is not quite as tightly plotted but also how much can you really blame them right this is a a truly epic show and i don't think um, I, I don't want to put too much blame on somebody who's trying to do their best with 
the material they didn't expect not to have right, at this right. point. Is there some kind of term we can come up with Martin, like Kinslayer or Kingslayer, like that, that signifies this kind of like the fact that he's kind of let us down or like maybe <laughs> breached our, our collective trust? Like, is there a... Like uh, is he the hype slayer? Is he the 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 time killer? <laughs> George, the you know, no man's as cursed as the time killer. Uh-huh. Uh, hmm. We'll have to mull that one over. Maybe our audience can help us out with that. Yeah, I also think is like this the famous is it was it Neil Gaiman that said that, like George Martin's not your bitch when people were originally complaining years ago about how long it's taken. Like, is that his house like House Martin's words? There's we are not your bitch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm saying he's he's a time killer though. Um, the other theory I wanted before we got to the uh, to the listener stuff, the other theory I kind of want to gently explode is there's this people talking about how it's it's I'm going to call it John the Unburnt, hmm. where John's going to go to Dragonstone. He's going to treat with Cersei or sorry, treat with uh, Danny. Okay, uh, he's not going to bend the knee. Like she's going to go fly into the Roth. Uh, she's going to feed him to the. She's going to feed him to the dragon fire, and it's not going to hurt him because he's secretly a Targaryen, and yeah. he's not going to melt. Okay. Uh, there's one problem with this theory. I we've seen John be burnt in the first season when that white was attacking Jior, a uh, Mormont. He grabbed the hot lantern to like throw the fire on him, and that actually burnt his hand, and it was a plot point that his hand was injured throughout that season. Huh. Okay. So. Um, I know they've not ever done that with Danny. Like, you know, that she's been fireproof throughout the whole series. And I also know just because, because the other thing I got to keep in mind is their audience is twice as big as it was last year. So at least one out of two of you have never heard any of this stuff before. Sure. Um, but there's a difference. Like George Martin was pretty adamant that Targaryens aren't fireproof. It's just that this was a one time magical event, kind of blood magic thing with Danny surviving the fire. Now the double D's during their adaptation from a very from the very beginning made Danny being fire resistant or fireproof a plot point that yeah. then paid off in season six where she set the whole Calisar's mm-hmm. uh, big house yeah the big house the mansion <laughs> the big house the crib uh, that's the, what they call it the cow's crib is what they call it um, and so I I don't know the thing is is I guess if if they do go with this, where John's gonna you know get walk out naked from fire, and then they're gonna be like, oh, googly eyes. Uh, they got they got to explain how he burnt his hand on a fucking lantern. Yeah, I'm with you. I I mean, maybe he's only resistant to dragon fire, like a true Targaryen. <laughs> I. What about um? Was it Viserys? Is that yeah, Danny's brother's name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he essentially got killed by heat. Oh yeah. So like I. It's clear to me that it's not a Targaryen thing. It's a Danny thing. Right, right. Being the mother of dragons. Right. Because that's the mechanism for dying by gold. It's 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 heat. heat. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it covers your mouth and nose. But but, it didn't. But it didn't. That wasn't it. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. I I don't think it's going to happen that way. Okay. And also it would diminish my respect for Danny quite a bit if, if literally she comes over here and this guy who's telling her like, Hey, there's a really important threat up north that you need to know and about. Has come to and her summons about. and is there as a guest, and, and is as level-headed and cool about things as John has shown himself to be. And right. she just burns him up. I'd be yeah. like, God, well, fuck! I don't want you to sit on the throne either. <laughs> like, yeah, but I mean, we've been talking about how might there might be some signs of Danny being, you know, kind of a mad right. queen type of character. So it is something on the table. But I, I feel like yeah, that yeah. would be. 
presumably that's going to happen this episode or next. Mm-hmm. And if she just up and burns John for no reason, that would be such a huge swing for her. And, and I'm not saying like, oh, it can't happen for that reason. I'm saying I don't want it to happen for that reason. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm still rooting for Danny to be a good queen. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to the feedback? Uh, no, I don't think so. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I want to take a break to talk about some things going on at Bald Move this week. We dropped a lot of content in the last few days between the full cast and the spoiler edition. Uh, We dropped an episode of The Empire Business talking about uh, the behind the scenes details of advertising which is for, for club members only, but I uh, just want to let people know about that. It's interesting. We also did a uh, first-run bald movie last night. We saw an advance uh, of Atomic Blonde, and we talked about our general thoughts about the movie and some upcoming trailers, uh, and then we got spoilery for the club members. And also I had a long conversation about Twin Peaks the first two seasons. I got I uh, never got into Twin Peaks. Um, I got into it because of a commissioned podcast, and then I tried to rapidly inhale these la- the first two seasons and the movie Firewalk with me so I could get into the new Showtime show. Uh, if you're interested in Twin Peaks at all, uh, me and Shane talk about our histories with the show and what it was like because he was in college when it was – when it was big back in the day and talk about watch parties and theory crafting. And, you know, it, it was the, it was the game of Thrones of its day. He said that like 60 million people watched it at its peak. Ugh. Can you believe that? Yeah. I wish we had been podcasting. It. No kid. I wish podcasts were a thing. I wish, <laughs> yeah. I wish the, we're, we're, I wish you were out of primary school uh, <laughs> back then. Uh-huh. So uh, we got all that stuff on going on the game uh, at uh, baldmove.com this week. Uh, and next week, uh, first run bald movie I know is going to be the dark tower. That's uh, exciting yep. to a lot of people, so be looking out for that. Also, I uh, want to talk about the club because the time to take advantage of the sale is is fast drawing to a close. Uh, this this is going to be done with July 31st. Uh, this might be the last time I get to tell you that uh, we're having a 25% off sale for in celebration of Game of Thrones for our club features. You can go to club.baldmove.com. Uh, it's all been Game of Thrones and Dragonfied. Uh, you click on the membership and make sure you apply the code GOT2017 at checkout and you get 25% off. And also, that club page kind of previews all the different features that you can get. There's extra video content. There's extra, extra audio ad uh, content. There's ad-free podcasts. So you don't have to listen to us hawk uh, suitcases and the club ever again. Uh, for one low price, you can get it uh, and all bunch of other bonus features. Club.baldmove.com. Act right now before the 1st of August, and you can get 25% off the yearly membership. Club.baldmove.com. Okay, well, the first one is, a, is we got a really good one. Uh, Travis M. from West Virginia. Are you all aware of the Arbor Gold Theory? Oh, Jesus. Are you aware of the Arbor Does Gold Theory? Does this have to do with the color of Arbor Gold? <laughs> no, no, it's no? not. Okay. Um, I actually had never heard this one before. Um, so he says, I think the statement in the show... Uh, or Ari is through as Walter Frey is talking about drink up the Arbor Gold even though it's red is mm-hmm. a reference to another long held fan theory that when someone says or mentions Arbor Gold they're being tricky or deceitful hiding their true motivations and their true self hmm. we see this several times in the books where it's estimated to occur more than 20 times and all of them during instances where people are lying hiding 
or disguising themselves or their intentions. Just three main examples. Wyman Manderly serving fries, likely filled with Freys, to the Boltons and Freys at Ramsay and Fake Arya's wedding feast. The best pie you've ever tasted, my lords, the fat lord declared. Wash it down with arbor gold and savor every bite. I know I shall. This was... They they mined this for the show when Arya served uh, Walder Frey pies with fingers in them because mm. in the books the the uh, Wyman Manderly is the one that does it. He kills two Freys that were emissaries as soon as they leave their house uh, to avoid his guest right obligations and then bakes them in the giant pies he serves at the the mm. Bolton wedding. Uh, Littlefinger spinning a tale to the Lords of the Vale, asking Sansa, pretending to be Elaine in the books, to serve them a cup of wine. My lord, will you join me in the solar for a cup of wine, Elaine? Sweetling, come pour for us. A low fire burned in the solar where a flagon of wine awaited them. Arbor gold, Sansa's filled Lord Nestor's cup while Peter prodded at the logs with an iron uh, poker. So this is where he's lying, you know, we saw this in the show. This is like a meta thing for the readers. Yeah. It must be, because like, you know, if... If you're trying to be deceitful and you bust out the Arbor Gold and it's kind of a known thing in Westeros, yeah, it's right. like, that's not going to work. You're right. It's like, hey, wait you're a lying sec- to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait a second. Wait a second. This yeah. is like, it's it's like crossing your fingers in front of somebody. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, that's the social equivalent. Uh-huh. And he had the third thought where Alaris, who is widely rumored to be actually Sorella Sand as disguised as a boy at the at the Citadel mm-hmm. in the prologue to A Feast for Crows, uh, though there was a dozen empty tables on the terrace, Leo sat by himself at theirs. Buy me a cup of Arbor Gold, Hot Frog, and perhaps I won't inform my father of your toast. Um, mm. Here, and if this and there, it, this is another assumption. You're assuming that Alaris is Sorella, but she's in disguise and being deceitful, and she's talking about Arbor Gold. Okay, so, yeah, I buy it. It sounds like it tracks through. So now I've gone from like being mildly annoyed to kind of like impressed because uh-huh. that's a pretty deep cut, and it's a deep cut that you're willing to alienate the 95 percent of the people who haven't seen the show or haven't read the books and have only seen the show. Uh, you, you think so? I don't, Pete. Yeah, if you if if you're just watching this as a casual Game of Thrones because it's just a you know it's it's you're not crazy like us. Uh-huh. You probably are not hearing Arbor Gold and seeing red wine and saying what the fuck, right? Or right. you can you can rationalize it in a hundred different ways of like, whoa, maybe it's mm-hmm. that's the name for the blue label stuff or yeah, hmm. okay, I like it. Arbor Gold, I want their Arbor Platinum, old man. Uh, that's what I expect from Lord of the Riverlands. Um, okay, let's move on to Joe, the one true king, the self-styled one true king. Hmm. Uh, let's say the dragon binder is Euron's gift for Cersei. It would suck if they didn't introduce it in the king's moot like they did in the books. Definitely missed opportunity. But anyway, he brings it to Cersei and then what? We know from the books that anyone who blows it gets their insides turned to ash. That's not very helpful. They will need someone who is immune to fire or something like that, right? So I feel like this is all dry pie because the episode essentially showed us that the gift is Ilaria. Yeah, it is. Um, although um, I was just I was I was, I was wanting to, to talk about this dragon binder just to kind of get it out of the way this season because some things okay. will keep coming up again and again and again unless we talk about it. Yeah. So do you do you, I've told you about this a bunch of different times. Do you know roughly what I'm talking about? The horn that controls the dragons. Yeah. That's, so, allows you to control a dragon. Yeah. Euron shows up at, by like he's ne- uh, at the at the king's moot. Yeah. Um, and instead of uh, like he did in the show where he just essentially gives a, a political speech, uh, he just brings tons of treasure. And he also has this dragon that he has one of his men blow and it makes this fiendish sound and a glow. The horn starts glowing red with like old Valerian runes. Mm-hmm. And the guy who blew it, uh, his lungs get scorched and he dies. Yeah. Um, so there's been a lot like. In the books, there's a lot of speculation about, well, who could actually blow the horn without dying? Does mm-hmm. the horn actually work? Is this some kind of bullshit magic trick? 
and there's you know but i i just feel like i don't think there's room to introduce the horn and as you said they don't a lot of the things that might be built up to control the dragons um for one for one thing in, in the show Danny doesn't have trouble controlling the dragons right and the books that's very much a question how is she going to figure out how to use these full-grown adult dragons as as weapons of war so, like, I don't feel like the original need is there. And also some of the things that they've done to introduce characters who might be fire-resistant, like um, Victarion, who's got the weird smoky arm. Maybe he's now conferred some kind of magical fire-resistance. That shit's not in mm-hmm. the series right now. And maybe you know, another popular theory is um, Jorah's going to have that crazy, like, fire Hellboy arm. Um, but I don't know. It seems like they're going to go, the way they're flaying the skin off, they're going to go for, like, he's going to look fucked up. But I don't think he's going to look like a fucking the thing that someone set on fire. I mean, he might he might be pretty scarred up. His oh, no, arm's like, looking pretty red under that. Yeah, that I, I feel like like if, if you flay your skin off and it heals, it's going to look like you've had like third degree burns over the affected part, right? It's going to be yeah. all weird, and there's going to be keloid scarring and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't see him having like a magic arm at the at the end result of it. Probably not. No. Yeah. So. Um, Anyway, so I and I don't know, like, um there is one person who could blow a dragon horn in the show and have no problems, that's Danny. Sure. But again, Danny doesn't need the horn because it seems like she can just control the dragons now. Mm-hmm. Because she I don't know. <laughs> I I I still don't know. It's it's almost like, you know, the Drogon just decided that he was gonna remember that he's she's his mom yeah. and she should be listened to and the other dragons fell in line. Mm-hmm. So uh Andrea R. You guys talked about this horn and how it's something to be um, – it's something that Euron has possessed and how weird it would be if they all suddenly make a plot point in a show. And I agree, but I can't recall this being discussed in your podcast, and forgive me if you covered it, but where is the horn that Samwell found in, with the dragon glass cache in Season 2? It was at the first of the Fist of the First Men where he, Grin, and Dolorous Ed were tasked with digging latrines. We know Samwell gave the dragon glass to John, who left it at hard home, but we've never heard about that horn. Do we think Samwell still has it? Would it be too random for the writers to go back to that? Is it just a nod to book readers, or is it a plot hole? I can't imagine after the journey that Sam has been on, he still has that thing. Because right. we see them kind of escaping from, uh, was it Hornhill? Is that the name of his his place? Right. His family's seat yeah. of power. Yeah. Um, with essentially just Gilly, a baby, and a sword. The clothes on their backs, yeah. Yeah, so... And before that, he didn't escape from uh, the wall, but he, you know, they, they had very meager possessions coming right. over on the boat to, to Old Town. So I really don't think he has it on him. Um, as far as where it could be, could definitely be at Hardholm, mm-hmm. which kind of eliminates it as a possibility for use. Right. Um, I mean, when would it have gotten separated from the Dragon Glass? Well, also, you also got to say, like, narratively what is it supposed to be? Because in the books, yeah. there's this whole thing about this horn of Joramund, which is like this artifact that the king and the, the, the king beyond the wall had in the, the age of heroes. And it was rumored to be able to, you could blow it and it's so loud. It would actually knock down the wall. Yeah. I mean, I suppose like if he took it up to hard home, guess he would have it now. Right. Right. But so, but, but the thing is like, I don't think it's been seen since season two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to answer your question about is it a nod to book readers, is it a plot hole, I think it's somewhere between those two because 
I, I think that there's a lot of evidence that the Double Ds were not sure of everything's significance in the beginning. Right. And they were hoping that, you know, because, like, George did drop Dance of Dragons in between season one and season two. They thought as the, the picture developed that, you know, they would have a more – and they didn't want to, like, oh, God, how are we going to introduce this thing and we've never seen it before. Um, but as those things have kind of – those possibilities have been shut off, I feel like that they've been free to kind of, like, you know, pare those things down. So yeah. and also like I yeah I mean if he's got I, I guess I still kind of think of from a casual viewer if I'm watching this weekend's episode of Game of Thrones and I see a previously on that shows Sam finding the dragon glass which is the big point of that scene mm-hmm. and then they also just show the horn laying there and it's never there's never a mention of it again and I see in this episode the Night King come up with that horn and blow it and knock the wall down right that would still feel like a what-the-fuck moment. I largely agree with that, yeah. Because there's not even dialogue establishing what the fucking horn is. Right. You know, there's a whole plot point in the books where the wild the wildlings have said to have found the horn, and they got this giant horn that's made out of, like, a, a fucking, like, an urox, or maybe maybe it was a, a mammoth tusk or something, and, mm. and they found it in the tomb of a giant, and... And Mance is, like, using this as kind of a threat against the Night's Watch. And you find out later that Tormund's, in Tormund's opinion, it was just some horn they found. Yeah. And he was bluffing the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, But they don't even have a, a line of dialogue establishing what it is. So, like, the previously on can just show the horn. <laughs> right. Unless they highlight it and say, actually a horn of Joramund. Asterix. Right. <laughs> Joramund. And, like, it's like, how would they even explain that? And then they would have to somehow connect the dots between that and... The Night's King having it. Yes. Which, they'd show the chain of custody. and Which they can't do because it wasn't in the show. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I do agree it would probably be a what-the-fuck moment. Uh, I feel I feel like the horns are busted for the show. They're just not... The, the no all, horns. All horns. It's all dragons, no horns. Yeah. No waiting. I think I'm with you on that. All right. Uh, J.H., I was listening to your spoiler podcast and heard you guys speculating if the White Walkers had a language. While Aaron's idea of a gloating-based language is hilarious and Jim's <laughs> idea of telepathic communication is actually a sweet idea, I wanted to direct your attention to the article below. It's an interview with the sound effects supervisor in the show, but at the very end, under the extra bits, it mentions this topic. Hmm. Although we never hear it, the producers did invent a language for the White Walkers uh, to speak. It was called Scroth, but it wasn't a good fit for the creatures. Uh, Fairfield, the, uh, the, the, the gentleman here mentioned, the sound supervisor says they're just bigger than language. Language was demeaning for them to speak. It was beneath mm-hmm. them. They were beyond that. It's something primal, mystical, and, and deep about that. Okay. Which I feel like lends into your telepathy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's gotta be some way that they communicate, whether it's just right. like a Borg like sort of connection that is sort of telepathy. It's all, yeah. If it's not technology based. Right, um, right. So and, and yeah. there's also that's kind of tropey for like those telepathic beings to be like, oh, we have to use your meat mouth to communicate. <laughs> right. It's like vomit in my, mouth. you know. So it's like <laughs> the way he's describing it being demeaning. It sounds very yeah. much like the up their ass telepath from Star Trek. You know, totally. And I'm with him. I think it's more frightening for them not to speak and yet somehow be able. It's to like it's like coordinate. One of the scariest things about the aliens is they have no eyes. Yeah. But they can still find you. Mm-hmm. So, like, sometimes the absence of something is scarier than if they, you know, are doing a, <laughs> a Molak speak. Yep. Uh, moving on. Cody L. I think we got a really nice tip in this past episode, 702, for who might be the Valon Carr. 
The first few seasons, we constantly had people refer to Arya as a little boy, and I even believe Cersei herself ridiculed Arya about how she looked boyish, did boyish things, and refused to act like a proper young girl. On Sunday, we had Hot Pie make a reference to Arya that she no longer looks like a little boy, once again heating up the discussion that she used to resemble a boy. Seems only fitting that the Valonqar may be genderless, which also goes along with the prince that was promised, where in Valerian, the term for prince has no gender... Uh, figure that the Valonqar could be a similar term with no gender and bada-bing, bada-boom, or continued dominance of female characters in the show continues. Um, what do you think, man? Uh, I, I I really don't want this show to turn into a series of linguistic tricks. Uh-huh. Uh, but, okay, I'll go there with you. I mean, that's the thing. Like, So you think that if the Valonqar turns out to be a princess and not a prince... Or, I'm sorry, if the prince that was if promised turns out to be a princess, not a prince. Well, if it's genderless, yeah, yeah. And genderless, and the Valonqar is like, that's... It's, and it's also that, and then, like... But, but I mean, it sort of makes a, a bit of sense, right? Like, if the Valerians are speaking this language that doesn't have thing. a lot of gender-based right. nouns and pronouns... That's like saying it's bullshit that in Spanish you can tell who's male or female, right. whether they got an O or an A at the end. It's like, well... Right, right, that's the language. Right, like, I get right. it. I get I it. it. If, but... you're, if, if, if the word for ma ends in an A... And then cisterns, that's just too much, too coincidental to believe, you know? And that's not the problem I have with it. The problem is, okay. like, I, it feels like a writer being a writer at that point. Like, <laughs> doing tricks just for a writer's sake. I Like, playing with language to make the point. And, and that's and I, the thing. I don't think that Martin's above that. I really don't. I and think, that's, that's fine. Yeah. It's just not to my taste, but whatever. Yeah. and Reasonable also, people can disagree. I mean, I, I guess it's cool because it also... To the, like, there's not nearly as much theory craft in the show as the books because there's not this kind of depth and complexity. And by introducing right. this, I feel like the show watchers can kind of play along because, like, oh, if we know that's true about this Valerian word, then maybe it's – well, and that's the other thing is that Valonqar is a, not a show thing. Uh, right. So that's true. I guess that's the thing where we're looking at the books to try to figure out what's going to happen on the show. Are we sure that, like – Valor Morghulis doesn't actually mean all people must die. Well, it's, yeah, that's other <laughs> like, things. Like, I mean, man in that case is like capital M humanity, right? Which that's true. Um, you know, so I feel like that there's a there's this um, there's these camps that are starting to form up about like Jamie's going to be the Valonqar, or maybe Arya's sure. going to be the Valonqar, or it's going to be Arya wearing Jamie's face for the ultimate. Valon is going to be the most Valonkariest Valonkar to ever vowed a car. Uh, so the, the angle that I do like it from is the idea that Arya has been presenting herself as a boy for a long time, a long, a large chunk of this series. Right. Which that sort of makes a satisfying. Um, it sort of satisfies my craving for whatever kind of narrative pleasure I'm looking right. for here. Um, that she could potentially be the Valonkar, even though leaving aside like the gender neutrality of the word. Because yeah. she has been effectively like both sexes, right. or presenting herself as both sexes, right? Uh, both genders, rather. Well, it's like the you know uh, Eomer's sister from Lord of the Rings, where it's like, "Fool, no man shall kill me," and she rips off her helmet, and lets her hair spill down, <laughs> like I am no man. Like it's like I, oh, the prophecy was right, right? In a very technical, yeah, they tricked me. Technical, technically, right's the best kind of right there is. Yeah, I, I wish I had studied the language more. <laughs> Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, so I guess if I'm looking at Valonqar prophecy, I'm guess I'm just, I'm going with the rule of cool. Like Jamie killing, um, Jamie killing Cersei when, when, and possibly to 
fulfill the thing that he did, you know, the, the, as a payoff to try, you know, as another mad king he's killing. Mm-hmm. The, when Cersei's been fixated on Tyrion the whole time, um, I think that's that's sweet. Um, if from a from a narrative stand, that's that's a nice arc. Yeah. Um, like you know, you had J- Jamie willing to kill children for Cersei to where he's now killing her for the good of his, the realm. Right. It's super satisfying from all angles, essentially. I do think if he kills her for personally. For for purely personal reasons, that that sweetness of the art kind of fades away. Yep, and I hope the double Ds realize that. I, I would, would say, but think so. But I've I've seen them get the weird nuance between Jamie and Cersei wrong before. Hmm. Um, you know, Arya killing it would be kind of cool. Like you're like then you start looking at the Hound, right? Like the Hound would be, but but again, there is no Valonqar prophecy, so the irony of him being the little brother killing her is is already lost. And also, what is the personal connection there? Mm-hmm. You're on. Like Euron, he would be killing Cersei just as a means to end, and it, it means nothing to Cersei. Yeah. So after you get out from like Arya and Jamie and Arya wearing Jamie's face, it starts to be like, yeah, fine, I can buy it, I could totally see it happening, but mm-hmm. you know, where is the satisfaction? Where's the payoff? What does that say about Cersei? What's that say about the Valonqar? Mm-hmm. Um, what does it say about anything? Uh, moving on to Steve. I have a question on prophecies now that we have confirmed the non-gendered promise royal offspring interpretation. Does this stop the belief that Azor Ahai, the pr- promised prince, and the stallion that will mount the world as the same person? I forgot to throw in the stallion that mounts the world in the Azor Ahai prophecy. Right, the, the it's, prophecies that sort of get lumped together. Yeah, it's, a, it's, 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 it's another connection there. You can't really get any more gendered than a stallion mounting the world, at least not without Tyrion making a saddle of sorts. <laughs> Uh, also, can we call bullshit on some of these prophecies? Okay, let's 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 take this first. Um, this is another. I got a, a, about a dozen emails like this where people are like, "What if we're looking at this from the wrong angle? What if we're not talking about all these prophecies being about the same person? But what if these different prophecies are like some kind of um, there's there's each each culture or group of people has their own hero that they'll come together like Voltron at the end." Like, there's not just okay. a prince that was promised and Azor. They're, they, they're all separate people. Right. The last here, they're all going to get together, and they're and, and each – each some of these major characters are going to slot into those roles, and it'll become, uh, uh, you know, obvious in, in hindsight that that's – that they, they were all – had their, like, savior role to play. Yeah, that could that could be true. Yeah. I haven't really thought of that because I've always gone uh-huh. to the whole, like, this is, like, the model myth. This is right. Noah's Ark that's also Gilgamesh as epic and yep. – um, but yeah, because um, you're right. Stallion mounted world. I'm, I know for a fact the stallions can't be both male and female. <laughs> yeah, and it's in a different language, right? It's Dothraki as right. opposed to v- Valerian. Valerian, right? Um, Dothraki, I wouldn't think would have a language where they just you know confuse women and men. And I all seriously that. doubt it with their culture. <laughs> yeah. Although they do, well, I'm going to defend that. Anyway, uh, can we also call bullshit on some of these prophecies? As it turns out, nearly all the prophecies in our real world of doom, second comings, and golden ages have been wrong, as can be. Religion could be considered the original fake news. Just hearing all that Game of Thrones prophecies makes me hope Cersei finds an ending of anything but that. Even quiet exile would be satisfying. What 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 do you say to that? Yeah, prophecies are not usually so accurate. Right. Maggie the Frog pretty much got it right. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I in this in this world, this fictional universe, I tend to lend a little more credence to prophecy. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if things were happening in our real world, like they are in Game of Thrones, then are you not being 
aren't you being unscientific to not at least grant the idea that there's some power that's that's behind the scenes that are making these prophecies come true that are animating this mad like if you see a shadow baby pop out of melisandre's vagina are you like well obviously that can't happen (laughs) i I mean it would be it would be foolish not not to at least investigate it right like to take the prophecy seriously enough to try and understand Right. What could be at effect there, and that's the thing about religious people. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to say something as inflammatory as like it's fake news because uh, I'm trying to run a business here. But also, <laughs> you know, at at best, you're talking about religious people have had they're essentially the lone witness to some miraculous event, and that's the presence of God in their life. Mm-hmm. Like, if they say that they felt that, then and we can't measure it, and there's multiple people saying the same thing, then you have to be at least open to the idea that, like, you know, essentially they can believe what they want. And you don't accept it yeah. as evidence because you're a skeptic and you're a rational person, but they also can't prove it. They're essentially, mm-hmm. again, the lone survivor of some kind of miraculous event. And um, unfortunately, there's no way to investigate that, right? There's no method for for investigating a personal experience exactly. after the fact with no evidence. So, right, right. Yeah, um, that's a tough thing to do. With the prophecies, you can start to at least try and examine them. Right. Try try and understand, like, okay, these are the predictions. How, like, I don't know. There's got to be some set of criteria. I'm not a scientist. No, but. like, you know, Melisandre fucks Stannis. She gets a shadow baby. Melisandre burns four leeches of the royal blood, and she and four kings are predicted to be killed. She burns Shireen. The snow melts. Like... You know, she she washes Jon Snow's hair and he comes, he comes back, back to, life. to life. Like, yeah, that you know, Bear, uh, Thoros of Mir can say a prayer over Beric Dondarrion and he comes back to life. Like, those are things. Now, now, so to the extent that, like, I'm actually on the other side of the fence from you, Steve. I actually think that if Cersei doesn't die, like it's the one prophecy that was explicitly addressed on the show that doesn't come true, mm-hmm. that would feel a little unsatisfying to me. Yeah, I can see that. Um, if there was more, like if this was more of a leftovers type show, and and there was actually doubt about, like you know, you had a, a genuine conflict between the men of faith and men of science about whether this is true, and then you reveal that in the end, all these things Cersei was shitting her pants about were things that kind of arguably she manipulated herself, and then she doesn't even die; she gets exiled or put in prison. Mm-hmm. That'd be super cool, but I don't think that's that story. Yeah, no, I think the show has has set itself up to say that the prophecies are real, and it's not about whether or not they'll come true; it's how they'll come true. Um, it, Melisandre right. being the being the primary example, like she always sees something that's going to happen and misinterprets how it's going to happen. Right. And also you got to leave room for the god to be manipulating. Like yeah. if I tell Melisandre the real deal, she'll go pull a Jonah on me and refuse to do it. So I'm going to lead her by the nose. Uh-huh. And, you know, cuz like that's it's obvious that the red god is not like a Judeo-Christian god of mercy and 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 love and forgiveness mm, or if he does it's okay. it's, it's yep. you got to be burnt alive at the stake to get it right um and there's blood sacrifices and it's it's, it's a little dark he's got a little bit more edge mm-hmm. than uh than the uh, old testament god especially after he had a kid and mellowed out so um anything else to add to that no all right let's move on to nathan l with a, a correction the Archmaester Sam is studying with is Ebros, who is known in the books as an expert in medicine. Kyburn actually studied with him until he was kicked out. Okay. Um, so I don't know how, because I watched this show three times, twice with subtitles, and my brain just helpfully filtered out this guy's name. Um, but yeah, and, and uh, Kyburn mentioned that the thing that got expelled is he started vivisecting people. 
Oh boy! Because right. he he wanted to see how the parts actually move and and do all that, and and uh, he he got he got kicked out. So he's not the Marlin. How is that that much worse than what that guy was doing with Sam? Well, but I mean, he's actually trying to save the guy's life. I guess if you're just vivisecting a person for information, you're killing a human life to learn something. Oh, he's vivisecting live people. That's what vivisection means—a dissection oh. only when you're alive. I thought it was like slicing people into thin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thin no. layers. I, I don't to know. See the... Yeah, I know what you're. That, I don't know what that's called either. Okay. But, yeah, no. Vivisecting implies that the person's still alive. Oh yeah, no, that's bad. <laughs> Shame on you, Kyburn. Okay, I thought it's like, oh, interesting. Uh, J- uh, Jim's going to, you know, defend <laughs> Nazi, Nazi Nazi medical research. All right. No, no. Um, but no, I think the that's so, and the, the important part there is he's definitely not Marwin, who is the more warlocky of the okay. uh, Citadel Dinsons, which makes me think. Because after this episode, I started thinking, well, maybe maybe this is it. Maybe maybe uh, that that he's going to cure Jorah, and because of doing that, he's going to be kicked out of the Citadel, and then the the, the part Jorah is going to play is going to be kind of like, you know, John's friend is healed. Danny, the person that Danny has a lot of affection for, and that's going to grease the wheels and allow John not have to bend the wheel or the knee or something like that. But mm-hmm. he's not going to break the wheel. He's going to bend the wheel. He's going to. <laughs> he's going to. Yeah, exactly. Can, can I interject something that I just thought of? Do it. Um, that's what we're here for. We had talked a lot about dragon glass and its mystical properties, right? And maybe that being a potential cure for grayscale. That seems to have gone right out the window. I don't think that Sam had any access to dragon glass there in the Citadel. You know um, why? It's obsidian. Like, why wouldn't he? Uh, they made no mention of it. If if he's got in that bowl that he's grinding up dragon glass, they don't make any mention. He, of and it. the only reason I'm thinking of that is because I freeze framed the shot of him reading that sc- the book and saw that on the other page they're talking about the medicinal qualities of obsidian. So that's okay. a hint, but it's you know that's hmm. and and I guess as a part of George Martin's three step reveal, that's the first step. Okay. Maybe if so. next week just Sam's like, hey, the secret's actually obsidian, or I don't know yeah. what the second step is. Hey, Jorah, that dragon glass right. cure really worked, huh? Right. Or they show him, like, you know, take obsidian, and, and he's just pounded up, and Jorah's like, what is that shit anyway? Yeah. It's uh, the second dose. Yeah, I guess the sec- yeah. Yeah, the second part of a three-step Martin reveal would be, oh, it's just that's the, the active ingredient. And then the third part, they would actually tell you that it's fucking obsidian. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, okay. So I guess it's not off the table, but it is right. Uh, very well disguised. It's certainly yeah. It's like I don't have a problem from like how hard it would be to get your hand on obsidian. Although they're they're uh-huh. making it out like obsidian is somewhat rare in yeah. in at least Westeros. Um, aside aside from, from Dragonstone, yeah, exactly. So maybe because maybe, I'm thinking like you know obsidian you can find all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's rare, but uh jamie lee not sure if you guys already touched on this topic but my coworkers and i are in a deep discussion and my question is if the white walkers were once regular people who do you think the night king was before he was a white walker is it possible that he's a stark hmm, i don't think so that happened way before well the Starks, so right? what's interesting is in the books there's one of the many tales that uh old nan tells bran stark to scare the shit out of him is the tale of the night's king Mm-hmm. Which is not the Night King; it's the Knights King, and this is a legendary figure who was the he was a Stark. He was a thirteenth Lord Commander hmm. of the Night's Watch, 
and he was looking out over the wall and he saw a like this this corpse white beautiful maiden with with uh, oh, piercing boy. blue eyes and he fell in love with her and he had sex with her and they had babies and he corrupted the night's watch and essentially enslaved them to go on this war against uh uh man and like uh like the stark at winterfell and the king beyond the wall and some other dude had to all band together to defeat him and that's one of the that's one of the justifications they say that the you know one of the one of the interesting things about the Night's Watch is none of their castles south of the wall, which is all their castles. I don't mean to imply they have castles north of the wall. All their castles on the southern side of the wall don't have walls except for the wall. Oh, because right. Because the backside. lords of Westeros were like, "Hey, we're never you know we want you to be completely defenseless against us mm-hmm. in case you ever go rogue again." Um, now you got to ask yourself. Is this old Nan legend, is that germane to the plot of Game of Thrones? Have they done Mm -hmm. a good job of introducing the possibility he might be a Stark? If he is a Stark, I mean, there's obviously interesting interesting possibilities because that could be something – there could be something deep in the relationship between him and Bran. Mm -hmm. There could be more of like a – you know, maybe he'll try to do some kind of seduction thing where he, you know, tries to explain things from his point of view and Bran now is just weird enough from – talking to trees all day that he can see like well i'm starting to lose my grip on humanity maybe this is the way to go i i don't know you got any thoughts on that hmm no i guess not i i was just i was under the impression that the starks were not quite as old uh like they were a they came from a branch of like the oh no they're they're like the the guy who built the wall was a stark guy who built winterfell stark but the same stark actually brandon the builder yeah, but why he build the wall? I uh, yeah, I guess I was just under the impression that they the Starks were not as old as the Whites or the White Walkers. Well, I mean that's but that's guess... that's an unknowable thing too. Like is because that's the you got to ask yourself is like the last time the White Walkers came back during the Long Night was that the first time or did they come back another time and were defeated again and this is just mm-hmm. a like some kind of thing that happens every thousand years because of reasons? Well, or... the Children of the Forest. Is that what they're called? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Made the White Walkers, right? Well. To, as a weapon to use against the first men. In the, the show, men. for sure. True, true. Oh, yeah, you're right. In so, the show, that's settled. Yeah. And I thought that the Starks were a line that came from the first men. You're, yeah, so wouldn't true. that imply that, like, they've. I don't know. Every Stark I mean, is I, a descendant guy... of the first men, but not all descendants of the first men are Starks. Right. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah, good good save on that because yeah, you're right. They showed in the show that the Children Force created him, so there was no other time before. Um, I mm, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's it's, sure. it's 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 a common theory. Um, there's a lot of interesting angles about like the fact that this guy would be literally related to John. Like they have to introduce some way for them to talk and have a discussion, which I think they kind of need to anyway to to them to avoid the fact that they're just going to be a purely malevolent force, which is not something that Martin usually traffics in. Hmm, like even okay. Cersei is kind of despicable. She's got a bat. You can kind of pity her, you know. She was she was born with an identical twin brother who was able to do all these things and was going to eventually be the warden of the West. And the only reason, she, even though she was born before him, the only reason she she's not that is because she doesn't have a penis. Mm-hmm. And then she gets married. She gets traded like a horse to Robert Baratheon, and he's a fucking dick, and he doesn't love her, and he's in love with this dead woman, and he abuses her, and is cruel to her, and. You know, she's got a backstory is what I'm saying. Yeah. She's got some things that make her sympathetic, even though mm-hmm. she's still regrettable. Uh, 
Moving on, Ryan K, longtime listener, first time sender feedback. I had to send my thoughts on Euron. As a book reader, seeing Yara in the hands of that madman gave me a, a fear in the pit of my stomach. Do you think the Double Ds will use the words from the Forsaken preview chapter of Winds of Winter oh to further show who Euron is? What are those words? So I mentioned last week that reading the Forsaken is kind of like set that this is the this is a chapter in Winds of Winter from. Uh, Aaron Dampairs. I know you love his name so much. Love it, yeah. Good, good he, nickname. He, he, I he's, hope he's one of Euron's brothers. Uh, he's the high priest of the Drowned Men, and it's he's been taken prisoner, and he's held in this 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 hellish conditions where, like, uh, he's in some kind of cave that's chained up, and the tide comes in and it, it washes up to his like upper body and wives, and his his feet are ruined, and he's very malnutrished. Damp feet, instead. It's just damp feet. And there's rats crawling over him, and the, this this Euron's like you know torturing him, and then then pouring like LSD, like some some kind of like, it's 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 not LSD, it's right. the nightshade of the warlocks uh-huh. that makes him hallucinate all this crazy shit, and 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 Euron takes a, a young woman and uses her to betray his family, and then he gets her pregnant, and then he lashes her as a figurehead to the front of his boat while she's I mean it's it's. It's some repugnant shit. It's yeah. like it's like uh, fucking Bolton's on steroids. Mm-hmm. So, if I take the pulse of the community and I include all, sh- I, I feel like that there's very little appetite for just that kind of cruelty for the sake of cruelty, torture porn in Game of Thrones, especially at this late hour. Hmm. So, what I mean, what you yeah, you might be a better one I, to answer this because you're you're more of the speak for the common fan. Uh, what would you think about like an extended three or four episode torture arc with Euron and some some do, some men or women? I will say I don't think the show is afraid to go there if it feels it wants to. Right. True. Uh, I mean, the stuff we saw with Theon was pretty bad. Yep. Uh, the stuff we saw with Sansa was pretty bad. Yep. I I would say they will go there if they feel necessary. Uh, feel it necessary. I think they've done enough for. You know your your standard show to set up that this is the bad guy. Like right. Euron is a very very bad guy. Just from that that one battle alone, right? The yeah. the links he's been willing to go to to get some kind of revenge. On and it Yara was bloody, here. and they're ripping it people's was. tongues out, and they're dismembering them, and like they're, they're like I feel like you got an idea of the type of dude he is. Yeah. I, now it just depends on how far they want to go with it. I don't think I need any more to know that Euron is a really, really bad guy. Right. Uh, even just his attitude toward everything right. has been, you know, very, like, there, there's something about that weird detached uh, feeling he has about everything, where he's just like, oh, yeah, I'll just go through life this way, and it'll all work out for me because I'm a badass and I rip people's tongues out. Right. They've done enough on that. Uh, so I don't need it, but I could totally see the show going there. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's like how how much of that do you want to have? In your, and like, cause the thing is like, um, the thing about shock stuff is if you do it over and over and over again, it's not shocking. Yeah. And then it serves no narrative purpose. So then it's like, is, is this an audience of gore hounds? Is this an audience of people that like to watch torture or is it shocking and effective because it instantly make, I, I just feel like the show's already kind of, you know, treading that, that like, you know, certainly it traffics in blood and gore, but torturing people that we like or that we have affection for, I don't, I don't know what more narrative juice they could squeeze out of that. And I feel like they already did the, you know, lashing into the the front of the boat 
yeah, sort of with thing with the sand Obara snakes. Yeah. The other sand snakes hung from their own so maybe weapons. they don't. Yeah, maybe they don't go there. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, I, I, maybe it's enough. Maybe I th- they've done enough. Okay. For me, they certainly have. Uh, Brett K has a question I somewhat frequently get. Why is no one talking about Willis Tyrell? He's Who? talked about on the show when Marjorie is suggesting to Sansa that she should move to Highgarden and marry him. He's rumored to be crippled and unable to leave Highgarden, so he would not have been at the Sept when it was when it went boom. Unless I missed something, Big Lady Olena is not the last Tyrell. Hmm. Okay. Well, you have missed something. The fact that Willis has been cut from the show. He has? Uh, so there was, like, in the first, I think in the first or maybe the second season Blu-rays, they had, uh, and then like, some of the, sh- the show material on their website, they had all these different family trees. Mm-hmm. And they showed Willis as being one of the brothers of Loras and, and Marjorie Tyrell. And in the books, uh, in the books, when it's mentioned that, that Sansa would marry a Tyrell, she gets briefly excited, like, oh, my God, Loras, oh, uh-huh. this would be a dream come true. Get away from Joffrey and marry this, like, knight that I've been in love with. And Marjorie's like, oh no, it's Willis. You know, he's 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 uh, he's crippled, but you know, he's very kind and he's nice, and I'm sure you'll get along, and we'll be able to be sisters. It'll be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the show, I think you you also got it wrong, Brett, that they didn't. They actually just said, suggested that it was yeah, it was going to be Loras and Sansa. Okay, they never mentioned this Willis guy. Yeah, I was going to say I don't remember Willis at all. And, and again, the thing that I always come back to is that Lady Olena on the show has said that she has no heirs and she's too old to make one at this point. So yeah. whatever like conspiracy theory you want to weave, are you do you know more about Lady Olena's genealogy than she does? <laughs> that's a fair question. So yeah. she believes all of her heirs and descendants are dead. And uh-huh. that's that's good enough for me. Now, you know, some people might ask themselves, well, what if there's going to be some secret tyrant? And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. Because <laughs> The show invites you to think as you got you got glamours and you've got shapeshifter magic and you've got mm-hmm. uh, people pretending to be other people and you got face swapping stuff and you've got secret Targaryens like it it gives you the machinery to do all this crazy stuff. The mm-hmm. question is, as always, are they going to go with a secret Tyrell plot? Is that is that important to the Song of Ice and Fire? It doesn't seem to be at this point seem in to the me show. Either. That's yeah. that's how I kind of either dismiss or get excited about theories. Uh, Brittany K. One listener expressed concerns about not being able to reconcile Varys organizing a hit on Danny while supposedly being a Targaryen loyalist. Mm-hmm. While you guys came up with some great explanations, I have another one that's more meta than textual. In the first season, it's likely the Double Ds were still intending on doing the Fagon uh, storyline. If that's the case, then Varys' actions make more sense because he was clearing the way for the young Griff Fagon to become the only Targaryen in play. Since that plot was dropped completely, the assassination is a weird minor plot hole. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know much about that plot. So that's, the you know, we talked about it, like the, yeah. the fact that um, Varys was conspiring with Illyrio, and there's a whole bunch of theory crafting behind w- how long they've been working together and their relationship, which I delved into. If you... If you didn't know this, I have any anything that I, I I do a deep dive on a big theory, and I've done like over two dozen. Um, there's a spoiler archive that's hot linked in every one of these spoiler podcasts, uh, where you can go click on it. it takes you to a forum post where I have actually show the link that you need to click on to get to the podcast and the time code. Um, but I did I did a, a pretty deep dive on Varys and Illyrio and their, what they're up to. But long story short. Um, Aegon uh, is is possibly uh, one of um, uh, uh, Rhaegar Targaryen's children. Uh, supposedly, he was got his head smashed in by the mountain. 
Um, but there's a theory that he was spirited away from King's Landing, the dark of night, and across the narrow sea, and he was put in the Golden Company, uh, which was a, a sellsword company founded by a bunch of offshoot Targaryens a long time ago, and that they've been secretly training him to be the perfect king. Mm-hmm. To land, and then he actually lands in uh, Westeros and starts conquering at the end of Dance of Dragons. However, all none of that stuff, all that stuff that connected to the the Martells and the Dorn, that stuff's all been cut and simplified. There's very little evidence that yeah. that's there. But just like I said, that they might have like with Sam's horn, mm-hmm. that might be one of those like vestigial tail type of things. Like that, that I think Brittany's right. It could be yeah uh, one of those two. But I also thought we had some pretty good explanations for it. Alex G, where are my ice spiders? My fiance is afraid of spiders, <laughs> and many people are. The double Ds have to use this, right? <laughs> so in the books, another story that old Nan would tell to make Bran Stark shit his pants is, like, you know, she went on and on about, like, snows would fall the the height of castle walls, and mm-hmm. women would eat the breast at, or the babe at the breast, the breast at the babe, because mm-hmm. uh, they're starving so much. And, and then the White Walkers would come, and she described them as... Uh, Riding enormous ice spiders. Mm-hmm. And that's a super cool visual. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I felt like the time to show them riding an ice spider would have been, like, maybe the start of the season. Yeah, that opening shot, you know, giants, that, ice spiders, that, that's pretty scary. Yeah, like, and then they are also, like, that was also, like, the idea that they got these giants. Like, that would have been, like, I feel like, where do you come down on the idea of an ice dragon? Like, either a dragon that's another species or a white type of dragon that they've resurrected and it blows uh, ice instead of fire. Do you think that's something? I think we have seen the extent of what what the... Um, the White Walkers army The White Walkers of. army consists of, yeah. Um, now that we've seen the giants, um, mm. which... Are just you know this this natural oh yeah of course yeah from if there's a thing they can they can raise the dead yeah so that um, that's a, so that... a dragon is like a perfect fit with that yeah because we know that you know the Targaryens had a shitload of dragons at one point and Danny's got three of them which we right. you know we we already are introduced a way to murder them this episode it's highly unlikely all three of the dragons are going to make it out of the series right. And it, and it's possible with as long as these White Walkers have been around that they've just had a dragon sure. from yeah. back in the day. You know? Right. Like, they can have a zombie form of anything that we've seen alive. Right. Which is... Now... Now, we haven't seen any spiders. There's That's another... The a couple other things I saw about, like, what... You know, that that we were introduced to bones of dragons in Winterfell. Uh-huh. Do you think that the White... The, the Night King can resurrect a, a I don't bone dragon? I don't think so, No. I don't either. Cause it's I mean, not we've a full, seen some not... fucking skeletons, though. Like, those ones that killed Jojen yeah. are pretty fucking skeletons. But do they have the whole skeletons or just the just the, just the the skull? And if they have the whole skeletons, yeah. like... I saw a bunch of bones in they, there. Did they like... reassemble themselves like fucking the Iron Giant? Like, you've got... It's going to be like a... Oh, uh, well, this is what we think the T-Rex looks like, <laughs> so we put the bones together this way. There's going to be some fucked up dragons out there. Right, right. Um... They were actually warm-blooded, and they are covered in feathers, <laughs> right. and the depiction on Game of Thrones is inaccurate, and uh-huh. um, I, I was thinking, like, if, if these bones are all over, like, there's, you know, maybe there's a museum case in Old Town that's got, like, a, one of the Valerian's thigh bone in it or something. Right. And it's going to smash out of the case, start rolling <laughs> downstairs, and flipping end over end towards... I can't see that. Yeah, I don't like, either. I, I people, think once A lot of people ask, but... I think if it... Uh, I wish they hadn't shown like really skeletony, like Army of Darkness type. Oh, that's true. Figures. There's when, a lot of when they killed Jojen because I would say like there has to be a certain amount of meat on them bones yeah. to bring them back. But 
I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Well, how long dead can they be? Yeah, like, does the bones have to be at least articulate? Because I've always thought that there's at least a little gristle to those bones. Like, I've never seen just, yeah. like, a skeleton. Like, right. a, a true Army of Darkness-style skeleton. They've always had, like, some mummified scraps of skin. and It's true. Yeah. So, but the other thing, it makes sense that, like, if a white was resurrected as a dragon, or a dragon was resurrected as a white, it uh-huh. would be ice instead of fire. Because it, yeah, can you right. imagine, like, it just set it, as soon as it roared, it set itself on fire. <laughs> right. And the Night King's like, well, shit. I guess I should have seen that coming. <laughs> yep. Um, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you. I think Ice Spiders would be super cool. It, it's not one of those things where I would be like, I, or, or any of the audience would be like, throw a fit if they showed up. But sure. And maybe that's the best argument for them. They're super cool and no one's really going to be like, fucking yeah. Ice Spiders? Like, uh, <laughs> at least I wouldn't. Uh, Jared G, a uh, question I have wondered when I was watching Stormborn, maybe you've already addressed it, but does Melisandre's necklace provide any powers beyond longevity? Mm. For instance, if Davos shows up with John at Dragonstone and he tells everyone that she burned a little girl, do they kill her or at least attempt to and find out her necklace has special powers? Or is that necklace just something thrown in the story to gross us out at the thought of her di- trying to seduce John and successfully seducing Stannis? Stannis. Hmm. Um... In the books, it very strongly implies that there is something magical about these rubies. That like like she, um, in in the in the the book, she burns Mance Raider alive, but they actually swap out Rattle Rattleshirt, the Lord of Bones. She actually uh-huh. glamors him with like some kind of some kind of wrist thing that's got a ruby on it that makes him look like Mance. Right. Uh, and then like there's also talks about like the ruby at her throat kind of twinkling or flashing when she does particular kind of like the hmm. the dude of Mike Tyson's punch out before he does his tiger punch. <laughs> he, has, yeah. he always tell he has got that weird telegraph with his glowing ruby. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, but in the show, I, I I I don't know. I've never seen. I don't think I've seen anything where they they show her imbuing something with power so she can she affect it at a distance or whatever. I'm really curious to see what happens when her and John meet back up. I'm she, a, I mean, she might just yeah. be like, Danny, look, like, John's a good guy, but I got to go. Right. I got to get out of here because he's not going to like this This Davos guy said he was going to kill me <laughs> right. if he saw he's crazy. Um, yeah. I also, why do you think they showed Melisandre as an old woman? Because that was something, like, a deep cut from the books. Huh. And it's like, I guess it's a little bit of world building or, like, blow your mind. It's this beautiful woman. She's actually old and ugly. What do you think of that, dudes? Um, but I wonder if it's actually going to be relevant to the plot. Yeah, there might be another layer. Like, maybe she's seen some shit that a lot of other people haven't because they haven't right. been around as long. I mean, she she told, she divulged a little bit of the other backstory, which I think was a book point, a only point, that, you know, she was, she was a, a slave and... You know, she came out of the slave shops and of, of Slave Shop Bay. And <laughs> uh-huh. Slave, slave, slave. Um, I, I wonder if there's something going to be more to that. Because it was, if not, it's just, it's kind of a cool world building or like things are, I mean, yeah. th- that, that's that's neat. I don't need it to mean, to mean anything or to explain anything, but I wonder if we'll ever see her doing that again. Like if, like if she dies, will she turn into an old woman? I don't know. Um, she like do a Yoda and just disappears. Um, all right, uh, Sean McGee. Targaryens have silver white hair to the point that people often speculate on Tyrion being a secret Targaryen just based on how he's described. But they're also dark-haired Targaryens. They're very rare, but and they all have bright eyes, such as purple or blue. And John has dark hair and dark gray eyes. Any thoughts on how this works? Considering we know that he's a Targaryen, other than he's the exception to the rule, is there something symbolic about what we that, that we should be taking note of? 
This isn't. That's a good question. I don't know. It is a good question, an interesting question, because on the one hand, uh, you know, he's half Targaryen, half Stark, and his mother mm-hmm. was very dark featured. Uh, she's the very the classic, you know, uh, Stark. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then also in the show and the books, they make this big point about the seed is strong and the primary evidence about all these, you know, the the that the Lannisters are illegitimate bastard children is that they're all blonde haired mm-hmm. and Robert Baratheon is black haired or yeah. brown haired. So I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't think a thing of it. Like you know, of two blondes can have a brunette. It's not a, especially if one of them's a brunette. It's actually much more common for them to be brunette than blonde. And, you know, like platinum is about as blonde as you can get. So I guess I have no problem with this the way it would work out genetically. Mm-hmm. But you're right. In this world, the genetics don't work the way they do in the real world. So right. um, I don't know. Symbolic? Like, if anything, Danny seems to be the dark one. So is it going to be like an invert, like a, the white cowboy hat, black cowboy hat, that he's going to be the good guy even though he's dark and mm-hmm. she's going to be the bad guy even though she's associated with lighter whiter stuff man i have no speculation on this hair color is not my forte when it comes to speculation yeah yeah i i to to me i think that there is room for you to make an argument that it's going to be significant and there's room for you to make an argument that it's not yeah because there's kind of contradictory and imperfect understanding about the way this stuff works and the books and the shows Mm -hmm. uh all right final one um this is this is this is pretty interesting too um Christopher A. In the Hedge Knight, Duncan Egg traveled to attorney at Ashford. So this can takes... I say something yes. up front? Yes. I always thought that Duncan Egg was one person. Duncan uh, Egg. No. I, I just today when when I was listening to you watching a video realized that it was Dunk and <laughs> Egg. Duncan Egg. Yeah, it's Sir Duncan. And the that tall makes so and, much more and, sense to and, me now. And King, uh, eventual King Aegon. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, the Hedge Knight. This uh, talks about Sir Duncan and, and Aegon. They travel to attorney at Ashford. There are five champions competing for the hand of Lady Ashford, a young maid. Here are their names in order: Lionel Baratheon, Le- uh, Leo Tyrell, Tybalt T- Lannister, Humphrey Harding, and Prince Valar Targaryen. Interestingly, this order matches exactly those linked with Sansa in the books. Joffrey, uh, Lord, who is of course a, a Baratheon. Uh, Loras, who is a Tyrell, uh, Tyrion, who is a Lannister, and Harry Harding in the books is the latest one that she's going to be married off to. Um, mm, okay. Given the R plus L equals J, I believe the fifth name, the Targaryen, is alluding to John and Sansa ending up together. Hmm. Is it finally time to give some props to this fan theory on the podcast? So. Interesting. That's right. the case for, I'm going to lay out the case against. Uh-huh. Uh, Joffrey's not a Baratheon. He's that's a, he's that's a, true. He's a yeah. Lannister, so you have to. This is another word. Is the prophecy playing straight, or is it going to put an R? Is Arya going to put on a Jamie face to make it true? Uh-huh. Uh huh. The secondly is, I believe that the Tyrell and Lannisters order is reversed there. So like the order is not perfect. However, and Alt Shift X has a great video on this, by the way. If you go to his channel, if you search for Alt Shift X, who will Sansa marry? It's the first Google result you'll find. Cool. He actually breaks this down, and the other problem he had with it, or the the the, the reason he thinks there's something to it is that House Harding is such an obscure house. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I don't think we've heard them in any other context that if you allow the Joffrey thing, if you're not too cared about the order, it is kind of compelling that 
you know, to 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 the extent that George likes playing with these foreshadowings and these these not not prophetic hints, but these you know greater and lesser fulfillments of things. The fact that these suitors for this princess were all of these houses that correspond exactly to the people who have courted and married Sansa is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I still think it's a bit icky that her and John would get married, though. <laughs> yeah, being cousins. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's not the fact that they're cousins because like, even the Targaryens married their sister because that's what they do in their culture. Um, it, it's more of like the fact they were raised as brother and sister and they think of themselves as brother and sister. Right. That's what would be like, you know, well, I know I know you're my sister, but uh, for the good of the realm, we must fuck. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. But he pointed all shift X pointed out in his video that in a very early draft, like I guess George has released an outline of how the original trilogy of Game of Thrones is supposed to go. Hmm. John actually marries Arya. Okay. Which with we know about their relationship in the show and in the books, that's super fucking weird and creepy. Mm-hmm. So it's not <laughs> like like George can go there. Huh. I would never say that he 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 can't. I'm just saying that it's more like uh you know, uh I don't know. I, I don't know. This guy, because this, this stuff is this is pretty compelling. I feel like anytime the the numbers of royalty are thinned, things start to get real icky in the space. Well, because that's, yeah, you, you, really, you can only marry another lord or another royal something, right. another noble man or woman. It does fuck up the bloodline for sure. Yeah, things get real weird, and we've had a lot of thinning of the noble lines as the, of late. The, the obsession with a pure bloodline leads to uh, you know uh, bad effects to your genetics. Let's put uh-huh. it that way. And you know that's a, that's another thing is like uh, it's. Targaryens don't have like a history of being insane. Like Aegon the Conqueror was was uh, all around great. Yeah, he, you know he, he hmm. kicked in Westeros's ass, but he actually did a lot of great things. And he he unified the realm and Maybe his it had his, it coming. And yeah, the Westeros had it coming. And his son was a pretty good king. And then there was a guy a, a, what, you know, like Magor, which I think was a bad one. But then they had this. Uh, I think the first Jaehaerys like ruled for like sixty some years, and it was a very very, very peaceful and beneficial realm. Hmm. You could argue that what happened is the Targaryens, since they went from all of Valeria that they could fuck yeah. to just, you know, Aegon and his two sisters, and they kept up that kind of sister-wife tradition, that that the reason you had a mad king is because their genetics just are, are terrible. Yeah. They, they, they got literally crazy, sickly um, people that are pr- propone, uh, prone to disease and, and uh, insanity sitting on the thrones. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, don't don't fuck your brothers and sisters, people. <laughs> yeah, it's not avoid a good, it if possible. It's not a good idea. <laughs> I know everybody wants to. It's you know super fucking hot to think about. I know there's a huge no, category. Jesus. I know I know on Pornhub that's a that's a that's a huge category, and everybody likes browsing that. But it's just not a good no. idea. It's not a good idea. Need need, need Bill Sci Bill Nye the Science Guy to do a, there a you segment go. about brother sister fucking and Punnett squares and yeah. hereditary disease and all that stuff to set people straight. Uh, all right, I, I was done like three minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> Should have been, tell. yeah. Should have been. Maybe we'll cut this. Who knows? Uh, if you'd like to send in something with, uh, and again, it was a bloodbath and feedback because I shied away from almost all speculation because, yeah, um, yeah this is a real bummer. These production leaks. God damn it! It's 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 fucking fucking with us and fucking with our fun in the spoiler section, but. Um, I'd rather take the time to get a process that will have a result where I can guarantee that leaks are not going to get out into um, 
uh, into our spoiler podcast than to try to do my best judgment where I don't have I, I, I don't even have a, a, a reference to judge. So yeah, next week hopefully we'll have a little bit more. Uh, also, shame on the people trying to fool me. Shame, shame, <laughs> ding, ding. You guys, you guys, I, I asked you not to, and you did it anyway, and now this is happening. So, uh, But you can send in your, your stuff that you want to talk about, questions about the lore, uh, theories that you want to talk about, uh, speculation to Game of Thrones at baldmove.com. Uh, you can also, of course, follow us uh, uh, along with everything that we do at baldmove.com. Uh, we also have social media at facebook.com slash baldmove and at baldmove on Instagram and Twitter. Um, man, just a couple more days, we'll have a new episode out, a new instant yeah. guest. No, it's a it's a steady stream of Game of Thrones content, and uh, like like two weeks from now, halfway through the Game of Thrones episode, we'll be at the halfway point, right? And that's crazy. It is so savor it. Try to I know I know everybody's impatient to watch it, and that explains the leaking. But try to savor it. Try to savor it. There's not much not much left of Game of Thrones. It's been a remarkable show. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's enjoy it while it lasts. Um, We'll be back for all three of our uh, coverage of podcasts next week with the instant take, the full cast on Tuesday, and the spoiler edition on Friday. Uh, Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you later.